0: You're listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, putting purpose to pain, turning men into soldiers, and weaponizing testimonies. I'm Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. Hello, and welcome to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things. And it's shifting even from that, uh, to just getting men to talk to each other. Um, this is episode 15, uh, which is so cool to say it's episode 15. And I have a friend here with me who is a leader, a mentor of mine, um, someone that I've looked up to for a long time. Um, and I'm really excited to have him here. Uh, it's really a, not a fluke. It's, it's a honor well that's not the right word either um he lives in austin and i was fully when he said yeah i'll come on your podcast i was fully expecting a zoom call and he was like i'm in town um i'll be there friday and i was like cool (laughs) so uh chad brugman is uh sitting across from me and um one of my two of my two quick things about chad um he came over at nine and it is now 11. And then we, it, that just speaks to, we sat and talked my wife and Chad and I for two hours before we got here, because he just is a person who cares about what's going on in our lives. And, in um, and, in being, and in being able to share what's going on in his and it was awesome. That's one thing. And then second is my first, like the moment that I realized, or I feel like I got to, cause Chad has always been to me. Um, I met him when he was the pastor of our church, um, and it was like you have that per, like that um, image of who's on stage and that's pretty much how you know them and uh, is what they see. But then we ran a conference one year that I was an intern at uh, and I'm doing intern grunt duties of breaking down the conference. And I look over and Chad is literally sweat dripping down his face in his suit uh, that he was wearing, helping load the truck's. And I'm like, that is a leader. That is like someone that I can, um, like, I can follow and I can fall in line behind. And like that is Chad Brugman. And um, I'm just so excited to have him here. And so, uh, Chad, if you could, I gave you a little bit of an introduction, but if you could introduce, the, I've been doing this thing, uh, elevator pitch introductions. Um, if you're on an elevator and you have 30 seconds to tell somebody the. In a fly by 30 second, 45 second, um, manner. How would you introduce yourself to somebody?
1: Wow. Elevator pitch,
0: elevator pitch. I That's know that that doesn't that. do justice.
1: Do uh, well, I have the single worst male name on planet earth right now. I <laughs> uh, didn't see that coming. Um, it's not, it's not a good year to be a Chad. And so that is my name. <laughs> Try not to be a Chad, but I am Chad. Um, I have uh, an amazing wife who, in two days, we will have been married 18 years.
0: Wow. Congratulations. Yeah,
1: thank you. Um, I have four kids, which is the absolute joy of my life. Best thing I've done by a large margin, and I've gotten to do some really cool things. But being a dad is literally the joy of my life, and I mean Mm -hmm. that. I I know we're supposed to say that, but it literally is the joy of my life. Um, I'm a pastor uh, by trade and by passion. And I am a lover of food
0: in inappropriate fashion. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. That's beautiful. That was a great. That's my, I do. I think that might be one of the better ones that I've, that we've done. I did. You covered it all. All right. You said it. Um, then it gives me things. Okay. So, um, what is your, your lover of food? Uh, you die tomorrow. What is, what is that? What are you eating? Mexican food. Spicy.
1: Yes. And, and I, I love a lot of people. I mean, this is a, this is a polarizing food, but I love refried beans. <laughs> I'm obsessed with refried beans.
0: Do you dip your chips in them or are you uh, like anything. Just anything, anything refried beans? Okay. Yeah, so you,
1: I'll,
0: I'll dip my shoe in it and try and eat it. <laughs> I love refried beans. That's amazing. And, and makes you gassy, which I'm surprised, which probably has to contribute to 18 years of marriage your wife has had to put up with some It's some,
1: horrible because if I was thinking of two foods refried beans and ice cream
0: both of which both are just which, not good food. No
1: and so my wife is a hero a saint a saint yeah <laughs> like what a human
0: to and Ch- the name Chad that. um uh, that's funny <laughs> I, that I didn't um I put you on the spot and you 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 handled that beautifully and so you talked about your kids um you have four of them uh do you want to, to introduce them a little bit? You want...
1: Yeah. So I have a kid who's about to turn 16. So pray oh, yeah. for me because driving. Yeah. That's it's real, man. It's yeah. crazy. Um, his name's Jude. He's amazing. My daughter, my one and only daughter of the four is Jane. She's turning 13 in a couple weeks. And uh, yeah, thir- it's not the easiest time in life to be a 13 year old girl. No. The world is not making it easy for them. And so I um never been more intentional about being a dad that speaks life and mm. dignity and just am trying to overly remind her of her brilliance yeah and her god-given identity because mm. it just let's be honest it just sucks right now to be a a, a girl in middle school it's it's always been to hard, have I'm access sure. but, to yeah, instagram but just the, just and the pressure and, and the, the comparison i mean it's been that way for centuries but now you add the social media piece and um, I'm just trying to be a dad that is just speaking absurd amounts of life over her hmm. continually um, to combat the voices that she has to confront nonstop. And then Benjamin, I always joke, he's my favorite kid. And I know parents aren't supposed to have favorite kids. And we don't, but he's my favorite kid. Um, he's just as chill as it gets. He's yeah. his most accommodating. And you'd at least when you have four kids, you need one to at least be an accommodating.
0: He's the third child. Which... Third
1: child. And so... He, uh, maybe it's the third child thing too, but he just, he's just go with the flow. He's chill. He's our most artistic. Okay. And I wasn't artistic at all as a kid. And so having, watching him draw with brilliance and watching him loving like literature and stuff at at the age of nine and like it's, does my heart so good. That's awesome. And so, and then the last one we thought would be so chill. So we named him Cruz because I grew up in Santa Cruz, California. Yeah. And, beach town in California. And it yeah. just, I, when I think of it, I think of the word chill and we're like, we, our fourth has to be chill. He's just got to go with the flow. And he is, he runs the house. We call <laughs> him boss baby. He just literally runs the show. And it's not biblically. It's not supposed to be that way. Right. No. Like his parents are supposed to be handling, handling business, but he, he, he dominates decides our house. He's the most charismatic, never met a stranger. <laughs> um, proactive. He's unafraid of all things life. Wow. And so it's a blast but he's put some bags under my eyes. Yeah. And some grays on my hair <laughs> that I didn't have before
0: him. Well. So is my kids. That's super cool. That's super cool. I I I love it's funny how um as life seasons change I that never used to be a question that even would be on my brain when I'm talking to somebody. And now that I have one in the oven, I'm like, tell me about your kids. And I want to hear about them. And I want and the weirdest thing is like, I have a little girl coming. And so like, as being a six foot four, large human man, and like, I'll be in the store and I'll see like a little girl, like a two year old girl or a six month old girl. And I'm like, I'll, I'll catch myself or Jess and I like looking at her. And then the mom's kind of like, Hey, stop looking at my kid. And i like, and, and, and in my heart, I'm like, I'm not thinking about, I'm thinking about right. me, her, me having a little right. girl that age. Like I, I'm not being creepy. I yeah. promise. But like, it's, it's funny. Cause like kids all of a sudden are like what consume your brain. And you were talking about how like they consume your life a little yeah, bit um, or a lot about a lot of it. And which is a great thing. Like your heart. Um, but um, the 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 uh the sh- the show, the premise of the show is over a drink. Uh, Chad and I, we started with well, he had coffee before he came over because he had to prep to be into my house because I, it's just a, it's just he, I get it. It's like you have to uh, prepare yourself to deal with me. I'm, tongue-in-cheek joking but um i had a cup of coffee while we chatted and uh now we're drinking water because we have had too much because chad also had had some coffee with me you gotta hydrate um I, i i honestly i would be curious to see what would happen if you took a poll of people who i chose not to be hydrated for a long time because i hated peeing so often and now i i i kind of force myself to but i have the bladder the size of a P And so I'm constantly in the bathroom and that's way off course. But, um, as we bring it back in, I, um, this podcast has kind of evolved and I've loved it watching it from, um, I mean, I'm in it, but I also am taking it and looking at the full scope of it, uh, as I just, I don't know. Um, it's, it has turned to a project, and so as the creator of this project, or the curator, I would say I'm more of a curator because I didn't create these testimonies. I'm just putting them together in a in a collection. Um, it's becoming so much of a storytelling, but also an opportunity for the, the guy sitting across from me to use what the Lord is teaching him or has taught him um, as a weapon, so much more than just telling the story, which in itself is awesome because... Um, I think that one of camaraderie is one of the most powerful things that you can have with somebody is the the ability to resonate with them and to relate to them. Um, that's amazing. And that just comes through sharing of story. Uh, but there's a second level to using it as a weapon um, because I can then turn the lessons that the Lord is teaching me and share them with somebody. Um, and one of the cool things that I've kind of noticed is... That there have been some guys on here like, if you're listening to this right now and this is what you feel, hear what I'm about to say. Um, and that was like so project trajectory shifting for me because I want this to be something where, man, if you come on and you don't tell your whole story, but you tell one thing and you go in. Uh, last week, Ryan and I talked about forgiveness for an hour. Uh, and I think that that was needed because forgiveness is something that dudes don't talk about um and so as i as i say that um i want chad to be able to tell his story and however he wants and so i told him coming up he goes like what do we want to talk about and i was like eh, i'm not going to answer that like i i that's a holy spirit thing we um i've talked about the prayer that we pray before this um a couple times on this podcast and um so when i when i toss it up to chad i i i'm excited because chad i just want um like you, there's a lot going on in your life right now. There's a lot of stuff that's going on, um, and the Lord is teaching you um, a lot. And I, but He also has then taught you a lot through what's going on in your testimony. And so, like, um, I just would love for you, if you would, to share um, what's pressing on your heart. Uh, I'm, man, I, I'm real big on Holy Spirit. I know that there are a lot of people that that is that that is something that's foreign to you, um, but I'm real big on uh what needs to be said will be said uh and so jad uh the floor is yours i'm sorry that i give you no direction um i mean i, I things pop to my head that i could maybe like stu- like push you towards, but i don't want to do that either um because then that's me not holy spirit so um floor is yours i'm sorry
1: well, we'll just, we'll just chat, man. Yeah. That's what I love about this podcast phenomenon yeah. is it's um, normalizing conversations mm-hmm. that are intentional and go below the surface. And if mm-hmm. anyone's needed that phenomenon, it's the male species yeah. to normalize conversation that goes beyond the surface. Mm-hmm. And so I think whatever you talk about with every guest is going to be a win um, cause it's always going to go somewhere, right? You're not yeah. having guests on that, you know, don't have some conviction of depth. And I would say the first thing on my mind and um, is what I love about this podcast. And I hope a bunch of, you know, male and female people listen to it, yeah. but, um, stories are sacred mm. and in every story there's good, bad, and ugly. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has made me over the years, righteously angry, frustrated in a righteous way not a not a not a bad way but a righteous way is that if if you're a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ which we are at the end of the day complete products of the grace of Jesus Christ and the grace of Jesus Christ alone it's not by anything we do or don't do that justifies us in the eyes of God our creator it's the grace of God, and I've always challenged this to you know whether it was at Red Rocks at our church. I said it a thousand times probably, and I'll say it when I travel and preach places. Is we should be the least unafraid to be the most authentic people on mm-hmm. planet Earth when it comes to our story and when it comes to the good, the bad, and even the ugly, especially the ugly. Um, when you are when you genuinely believe the gospel, when you genuinely. Understand that you are a product of a free gift, and it was God's pleasure to go to that cross for you. Uh, when you when that finally really sets in, all of a sudden you see the the ugly parts of your life as a springboard to bring mm-hmm. hope and redemption to other people. Mm-hmm. And so I love this format. I love what you're doing. Um, there's something powerful that takes place in men when they watch another man go there mm-hmm. and go below the surface. And not just highlight all the good, because you know, we're men, we're supposed to have trophies, we're supposed to, yeah. you know, um, it's supposed to be an endless, you know, the showcase t- of all of our achievements and successes and everything. We're you know, we're conquerors by nature. And um so we put those on full display hmm. and um it's a disservice because it's only half the story. Yeah. Conquering's good, succeeding's good, it's in our nature. We're supposed to. We're supposed to tend and cultivate and protect and and grow and steward and so when that happens we celebrate that but we're we're humans man yeah and the uglies is important as the, yeah. as the beautiful
0: moments and so yeah no, yeah the uglies is is super important i love the ugly um i'm actually i'm looking at i got a new so Scott the painter is um, he's from Austin. You know him, yeah. Yeah. So um, he this is his art that I have sitting here on the.
1: I have several of his pieces. Yeah, in my house.
0: Yeah, he's. We have we have one here, uh, and then we have four upstairs that are the frames are in the car, so they're waiting to be put into frames. Um, but I'm looking. It's funny that you say that the ugly is good. We're sitting. It's a the drawing is a picture, so I'm going to try to do my best to verbally depict this but it's a guy standing holding an umbrella with a thunderstorm above him um and as the water comes down and runs off of the umbrella it's going into two potted plants that are next to him and the plants are growing off of the the so it's like making good of and that's why i have it is literally why it's awesome. i bought it is because of these i haven't comp- seen that one either i have seen it's my I, it put me in like when i saw that i broke down i was like and um damn it <laughs> it's like literally like was my <laughs> thought um because it 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 makes um what you're going through cuz like man i think you see that picture and you, you so often i feel like we're just trying to get away from the storm that we're walking in um but we don't realize that what god is doing through our storms and things that are apart from us and that's what this is like yeah dude like, let's celebrate the good um the good Glory to God in the good. Absolutely. Um God is good in the good, but also God is good in the bad. Like God is good in all times whether we see it or not. Like you can't it's, I, I, it I it what good art leaves room for interpretation and I've um I've actually um, had a couple conversations with Scott um, over I met I just randomly messaged him and that's what kind of the cool thing is like he's not he's an amazing artist with a huge following and he's not too big to like have a conversation with a fan. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. I I was like, hey dude, um uh just can you share some of your and like his thing is visu- visual, visual uh, no, contemplation through visual representation. So like he leaves room for you to be like, so like I can't see the face of this guy that's has his umbrella on. And it makes me wonder like, can he see the good that's happening next to him? Like, yeah. can like often I can't, like, in my life until until there's a time that the Lord chooses to like almost I wouldn't say redeem, but like he gives purpose to pain very intentionally. Like through mine was like sharing which I, and I were talking about this earlier. Sharing my testimony in front of a bunch of high school kids was the scariest thing I've done. It was the first time I'd ever vocally said I had an eating disorder to somebody other than a um a school a football team mandated counselor. Um and afterwards fifteen kids literally came up to me it was like, I didn't know that eating disorders were something that I could talk about immediately purpose to my pain. And like, um I just think that that's cool. So thank you for encouraging me and the and the, the podcast in itself. Um man, I I think to like even like yours like right now, uh you up and moved your family to Austin, which is just I me up me moving to Austin with my one person that's my my one human who is um dependent or not even dependent cuz we are married but like one person that i have to take care of or like and my dog it would be a lot um yeah but as a dad moving your wife which immediately is like my level but then you say oh also four kids who are in middle school and high school and um That that feels like a like a storm, Um, but it's also been so great at the same time. Um, Man, I just I don't know. I'm talking a lot. I just no
1: move moves are they say even even one of the you know you get the list of traumatic things you experience in life and ironically on that list which you wouldn't assume it seems melodramatic but is moving and Mm -hmm. they say not even moves. Out of, in bad situations that's traumatic enough but even even the best moves you know you're moving to, you got a job you got a new opportunity you're excited about a new city even the best moves are traumatic because mm-hmm. it's a shift in so much subconscious um so much part of the subconscious soul that ho- holds space for the city that you live in and there's there's way more in your dna for the place you live in than you think and so mm-hmm. i've uh, as we moved i've just and i didn't do this on purpose but i've been reading a lot of uh genesis and there's a lot of moving narratives mm. and they're with huge implications the abrahams you know the 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 jacobs moving you know and they're just they're in this nomadic experience and everything they knew is pulled out from underneath them to go to what would be better places for better reasons but in the moment it's like they're leaving all kinds of stuff i think of like uh, one of my favorite verses right now is uh, in Hebrews 11, where it's talking about all the heroes of faith mm. and what made them heroic in their faith. And the one that I just can't shake is when it says um, Moses left the pleasures of the palace to go be mistreated with the people. Yeah. He left to live in tents, endless amenities yeah. to go into a place that's unknown out of deep conviction to understand what his people go through hmm. his, his, lineage that yeah. he had been so, um, and praise God for that, but he had been so guarded from all of that because of his unique story. And he had sat in, in, in amenities that nobody else could even fully fathom living in, you know, the Pharaoh's house in Egypt. And so uh, I've just been learning, I've been getting so much grace and challenge from these moving narratives because it's traumatic. Yeah. Um, but that is life, whether you're moving geographically, or not, you're always in some type of change and moving, and so um, it's been awesome.
0: Yeah. To well, and who's to? I love that you s- say that. Um, that it is. Well, I didn't know that it was on that list of trauma. Um,
1: I didn't either until I did, and, and yeah. I was like, "What? That seems
0: well." I think that as, as people, we classify trauma. Man, shoot. Uh, Jess and I are watching Grey's Anatomy right now. We're work we're, it's 17 seasons long. So we're working our our yeah. way through it and you see these trauma cases where people are coming in being ran over by a train and like they're like, "Oh, we have this trauma." Or like or like you or like you know, even on another sense like you you reson, you like relate trauma to like I was traumatized as a child. Like I was traumatized this awful thing happened to me when I was a child. And so your description of trauma or your definition of trauma is these massive catastrophic events that are terrifying and Hollywood, Hollywood romanticized, but trauma is, could literally be moving. Like yeah. trauma could be, I talked with Wally a couple of weeks ago and I think that he said it on Mike, but it might've been in his and I's conversation, but he was like, I I have literal multiple people that I've worked with who are traumatized by, like, the loss of their horse, who, like, they yeah, aren't absolutely. able to talk about it for – because a horse is a part of their life for 30 years, and then they lose it. And as a human, you're kind of like, you lost your horse. Or, like Yeah, you, like,
1: get over it. Like, yeah, you lost – Get another horse. But
0: who anything. am I to define your trauma? Like, who am I to define what marks yes. you? Um, I'm not. And, like, trauma is trauma and, like, moving – is traumatic and dang i never i never thought about that in that way
1: and trauma is a spectrum issue everyone has it it's yeah. not a matter of do you have trauma or not it's where you add on the spectrum yeah. it's the same with addiction mm-hmm. everyone's an addict yeah it's where you add on the spectrum and what we tend to do like like let's take ptsd for example post yeah. um trauma. post-traumatic stress disorder right yeah. who do you think of first when you, when you hear the word PTSD, my mind immediately goes to a soldier who had mm-hmm. his legs blown off, mm-hmm. uh, in Iraq mm-hmm. and is coming home to now deal with dreams Well, he's lost his limbs. Yeah. That to me is trauma on the far end of the spectrum. Or you think about uh, a survivor of uh sexual or physical abuse or even emotional, spiritual, whatever, any, yeah. any survivors of abuse, like they're high on the end of the trauma that they now have to steward and work through. But what can easily happen then is people that have lived a quote unquote uh, less intense life and gone through less intense drama on the spectrum, minimize it. Mm -hmm. They don't think it's something to be stewarded or, or listened to or taken care of because you go to the people on the farthest end of the most extreme forms of trauma and you go, I don't even have a right it almost seems like a disservice to what they went through to think that you losing a dog or a horse or moving to another city with your family yeah. for the first time. And so what you do is it's, you start to ignore that and mm. trauma is a uh, trauma is an inevitable reality of the broken human experience that sin has created. Mm. It is never going away on the side of eternity. It's not the point. The goal is it. Trauma is not something to be defeated. It's something to be stewarded. Um, Do I think there's healing and deliverance from it? Yeah. But I don't think it really ever goes away as part of your story. Yeah. And every part, I have a deep, since this is a a podcast about stories, I have a deep conviction that every story is profoundly sacred and every part of it is Mm. God's. Yeah. Every part of it. And so your trauma, even on the healing side of it, And I love those stories, but it is something to be stewarded, not something to be defeated. And and that's the beauty of God is is he wants right in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of men, especially for the dudes listening to this podcast on this episode, I think, like I said, if you don't have even men with immense amount of trauma, we have been subconsciously trained from birth to uh, tough your way out of it, succeed your way out of it, conquer your way out of it. Um you know, uh numb your way out of it on the other end of it, yeah is the, that, those were this conscious and subconscious tools that we have been given, and then then we mask it under the guise of masculinity hmm. you know and so it 's like and I, I, I went through this trauma, but look at the business I started now, I went yeah. through this trauma, but look at the trophies on my wall, I went through this trauma, but look how big my biceps are now, yeah, look at you know, I went through you know and and it 's like god 's up there saying there's a degree of wholeness. That I want for you. And to me, the ultimate definition of masculinity is wholeness hmm. has nothing to do with anything out. It has zero to do with anything outside of your insides, <laughs> For lack of putting it a better way, like the, the ultimate manifestation of manifest, masculinity is a man who is uh intently committed to being as whole as possible on this side of eternity. Mm. And it is an inside-out proposition, just like the kingdom of God is, right? Ah. Seek me first, my kingdom, then what? Everything else will be added unto you. Yeah, This is Jesus like saying, please listen to me, the kingdom of God, which is the one that will last for an eternity. It is the one that will not hurt you. It is the one that will not cause you any trauma. It is the kingdom that will in the end have no death or mourning or crying or pain. On this side of eternity where there's still death, mourning, crying, or pain, that kingdom's an inside out thing. Hmm. And so for men to not give their greatest energy and resource and commitment to their souls and their spirits. And you have to you have to take care of your body too because your body is the temple where the insides get to do their best work. Yeah. And so it's body mind spirit. I don't want to dismiss the importance of taking care of our bodies, but my biggest passion as I get older to take care of my body is less and less about vanity and more and more about this is the body that helps me get more whole in my spirit and in my soul. Wow. And I want men, particularly and this is for, you know, you're going to have females listening to this too yeah. as well. Um, This is a human thing, not, but, but I think men are so much more, it's such, it's, it's so much more foreign language when you start talking about wholeness because it's unquantifiable. Uh, My experience, and I could be wrong, but you start to talk that language to women and there's a natural receptivity that they have to it. Um, They're intrigued with, tell me, tell me more. I want to be whole. Yeah. I want to be whole. I want to, I want to love who I am. I want to love me for me. I want to be proud of who I am with the good, the bad, and ugly. And men are more, you know. Just for some reason, we're just adverse to this idea of it. Almost feels like un, it's not productive. Yeah, like I got I got stuff to go conquer. I got yeah, I got you know trophies to go get. I got I got stuff to go accomplish. And man, to get all of that hmm. stuff, which if when a, when a man is whole and succeeding, that's prosperity. Yeah, when a yeah. man is succeeding at the expense of wholeness. That's disparity, hmm. right? Like that. Yeah. That is what does it? I think my 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 hero says, "What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet yeah, forfeit his soul?" Hmm. And we tend to hear that in the church world as you 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 were never saved, you were never born again, you forfeited yeah. your soul. And Jesus is like, no, no, the kingdom's now. You're not just forfeiting what happens for an eternity. You're forfeiting the essence of who you are right now, while you're gaining everyone. And it's a mirage because the world claps for you, yeah. And the followers increase, and the finances increase, and the platform increases, and the accolades increase, and the trophies get bigger in the closet. And your soul is shriveling. Mm. And Jesus is like screaming to us, like, "Oh my goodness! Like this is the worst mistake we as men can make." And yet we have been taught from birth not to not not to tend to our souls. We've been taught to tend to our desires and our achievements and our wow. dreams, right? Mm. And as i getting older, um, Mitch, as I'm getting older, man, God's given me this passion and this revelation to be like, be whole. Mm. That's my dream. Like, it's, it's very un-American to not have a quantifiable, well-written dream that you can mm. propose to people. Because we love, and I love it. It's, it's a country of dreamers and I don't ever want that to change, but here's, here's what's evolved for me as I'm growing up a little bit as a man
0: is I
1: want to be whole. That's my dream. Wow. It's my dream, man.
0: Yeah. And that's, that is something that needs to be heard in the fact that like, man, I, I think it's so like, what is like the, everybody wants to have that four bedroom, three bathroom house with the perfectly manicured lawn and the dog and the two and a half kids and making X amount of money but all of that does not matter if like you don't look at the inside of the house like yeah. <laughs> like yeah you could be i love hate the gym um because it makes me sad because i you walk around there and there's these people who are just physically beautiful yeah. <laughs> like
1: aesthetically perfect aesthetically like perfect yeah
0: but then you have conversations with them and they without knowing it their relationship with food is Miserable. Their relationship with their self-worth is like, if I don't get to the gym, like I am nothing. Like I, if I don't look this way, I, and it's it's sad because like, like you're saying, like this holistic approach to manhood or being a human, the human experience is just missed. It's something that is, which I think is like, man, I, um, this, you talked about how like from birth we're taught this and, it makes me think to, like, um, in Corinthians—I uh, believe it's Corinthians—the enemy is referred to as the god of this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the god of this world determines the philosophies of this world and what the world believes. Um, and so uh, I pair that with C.S. Lewis in The Screw Tape Letters, where, if you've read the book, um, quick thing, it's like essentially the devil teaching his minions how—like, like, Wormwood is this— uh, disciple of the devil Essentially And his job is to be assigned To let's say Chad And Chad He, he is being taught How to skew Chad's perception One percent Because how Because if you If Chad can take his eyes off of um, The truth by one percent Over the course of his life He is going to be Way off What is truth And so it makes me think To like Alright at, If at the beginning The enemy can can implant this idea that men have to be this way. And that's all he has to plant. And then over the course, by the time Chad is 32, um, he's 32 years old. By the time Chad's 32 years old, he believes something completely different than the truth of what is good for his soul. Um, And that's crazy that, that all it takes is a little whisper of, hey, the outside is more important than the inside. And I love that you're able to sit and speak um, into that passionately because it's something that I believe so wholeheartedly, um, which you wouldn't get if you sat and looked at my life, my testimony up until this point because, um, man, eating and eating disorder stuff is such a vain disease that I'm like, I care about what you think and what you think of me and how I look and how I feel like I look. And just until recently that has been such a, it's not a, not a win every day, but like there are, like, I don't, I was telling Chad before this, like I haven't gone to the gym in two weeks because I don't want to, <laughs> because I'm focusing on things internally that I'm like, but I'm the happiest I've been like, yeah. like I, cause I'm, I'm focusing on things that are like good for me holistically. Um, and i think you coming on here and speaking truth like you're, what you're doing is like you're speaking um i think the more you talk about something like we're taking swings at this um this monster of of society society created stigmas and societally created norms um and we, it would be naive to believe that i could sit here and talk and one thing that I'm going to say is going to make the whole thing topple, like that is just not going to happen. But like you're on here taking another, like I see an axe just like hitting, like like over and over again, and eventually it will topple, and it might, probably will not be from my podcast, but we will have contributed in in swings. Heck yeah. over and over, and that's what you're doing is you're swinging. Um, so thank you for that. I yeah. Um, I I love that. Um, you. You spoke to, um, this holistic con- concept, not concept need, like what did it, like wh- how did you get to that? Like what, cause you said that you, you are, um, the healthiest that you've been, uh, which then implies that you were at one point not, yeah. <laughs> um, how did you get to this, uh, this point?
1: Yeah. And that question's easy and easy for me to answer. And it was exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Exhaustion is a grace from God when it feels like a massive indictment on your poor stewardship of life. And here's why it puts you at the end of your rope. It makes you desperate.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: starts to, in a very sobering way, put in perspective how much your attempts at life aren't working mm-hmm. when you're doing it in a way that is not. The way God designed us from the Garden of Eden, which Jesus now refers to as the Kingdom of God, which we know is at hand, post cross, right? Yeah. When Jesus showed up as a baby, the kingdom was at hand, and the kingdom of God is a kingdom of wholeness. It's a kingdom where there's no death, mourning, as Revelation yeah. says, right? Yeah. Crying or pain, and that you could add, you could add a thousand more things. That won't be happening in heaven that happened here. But they were they were taking the big ones, death, mourning, crying, pain. All these things we're so afraid of, and all these things we're trying to escape, and all these things we pay thousands of dollars to medically um, fix so we can avoid that we're all dying right now, right? It's because yeah. it was never... It's, Paul calls death the last curse to go, right? And so um, exhaustion is traumatic and awful. And it comes with, uh, if you don't know who you are, it comes with immense amounts of condemnation. Mm-hmm. It feels like a grand failure. Um, it, but it is a gift from our God when you are so resourced out of your own self that you have a choice to make. You're at a crossroads. You're going you're gonna to go to some deep, dark place of incredibly unhealthy despair or you are going to finally take all of that exhaustion and weakness and hand it over to God
0: mm.
1: and say, I can't do this anymore. And if, if, if I think anything would get... You know how Hebrews talks about the great cloud of witnesses that mm-hmm. are just cheering us on because yeah. they've been there, done that. Yeah. And they now have an eternal perspective of what it's like to be us. Yeah. They've done both now. Yeah. And so they're watching us and they're cheering us on because they know, Hey, this is possible. But I think if there's one thing that would get them to, to lean forward a little bit, anytime a human is when you've come to the end of your rope and you're like, I can't do this anymore because it's such a key moment in your life. And we're all going to have these more than once. I mean, exhaustion again is it's a spectrum issue. There's, there's low grade exhaustion. And then there's these, I think we all get a few big moments in life where we just have to start over. Hmm. And, uh a few years ago i had one of those where i was just like I, I i'm i'm at the end of my rope and most of mine was self-inflicted poor stewardship uh you know endless years of insecurities driving things that would exhaust you mm-hmm. trying to do uh holy work in your own strength hmm. <laughs> is a recipe for exhaustion yeah um Bearing a burden of a, a being a part of a, a, a fast-growing church and being a part of a, a dynamic place that had so much beauty, but also so much burden that came with it. I mean, it's a recipe for exhaustion if you're not a whole human being. Mm. And the gift of exhaustion, which we're all going to face at some point, is it's God's going, this is our chance. Like, you're afraid of your exhaustion because there's going to be some stigma that comes with it. There's going to be some judgment that you put on yourself. And even sometimes worse, there's going to be judgment that people are going to put on you because it looks like your life's falling apart. Yeah. I joke, you know, it's like, it for me is like a midlife crisis. Cause it happened in my forties, my early forties.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but now that I'm on knock on wood, but I'm on some of the healthier si- side of, of that crisis of exhaustion.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm learning so much about what it was and what it wasn't. And what I'm seeing now that it, the drama's not all right in front of me is that what a gift that a, that a season if you'd asked me two three years ago I'd have said it's just awful. all hell's breaking loose internally I'm a shell of who I know I'm supposed to be I'm a shell of who I've been before. I don't feel like I'm good for anyone right now I'm I'm incredibly selfish right now because I'm hanging on for dear life and you never feel good about yourself when you're selfish right mm-hmm. it's ne- you know and so I'm going through all of this and that exhaustion was God's gift of going are you ready? You ready to hand it over to me again? Wow. And I'm not mad at you. Mm-hmm. I'm not even judging you for it. It's just in your, you know, in your weakness. Not, I wish Paul would have said it's not in your weakness that God's power is made perfect. I, I wish he would have said it's in your admitted weakness. Yeah. That God's power is made perfect. Because it's at the point where you can finally acknowledge it. mm And we again, we as men, I'm talking to the men again, we as men were not created to acknowledge weakness. Yeah. What does Adam do the minute weakness enters the picture? Fig leaves, baby. (laughs) Let's go hide this. Yeah. People can't know that I'm weak, right? Because this is the first time I've experienced weakness. And his most basic instinct and reaction is we got to hide this. And men are notoriously good at putting on fig leaves. Hmm. And God is notorious coming in and asking the right questions and going, take them off. I'm the only thing that can cover you. I'm the only one that can cover you. And so um, in my exhaustion, I found grace, degrees of God's grace that I could not have and have never found in seasons of prosperity. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm I'm not the guy that's anti-prosperity. I -hmm. just am the guy that's always trying to make sure my definition of it is correct. Wow. And right now... Prosperity in its highest form is a wholeness, body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And I've, it's the first time in my life, Mitch, and I'm embarrassed to admit that because, as you know, pastor guy and all that stuff, I wish I didn't take me, you know, this long to, to develop a, a passionate conviction that I want to be whole at all costs. Mm-hmm. And it has cost me some things, Mitch, to be whole. You know, I, I mean, most people, a lot of people know my story. I had to step away from a beautiful, move of God Hmm. with a group of people that are like family, that I love, in order to go on this journey to be whole. It cost me practically. It cost me publicly. It cost me personally. It cost me relationally. It cost me in so many ways. Hmm. And I'm now on, you know, I'm not out of the woods by any, but I'm, I'm far enough out of the Thick part of the woods of that yeah. that season of exhaustion to look and go, the cost is worth it yeah. to come to the end of yourself, mm-hmm. and you find God there. Yeah. I mean, God's everywhere all the time, right? But if you really want an intense amount of His presence, here's where you'll find it. You'll find it at rock bottom, and you'll find it out on a limb. Wow. Two places I've felt the most intense awareness of God's presence was hitting rock bottom and th- the seasons I went out on a limb. Wow. Uh, two totally different dynamics, right? Two yeah. sermons for a different day. Yeah. But when we started Red Rocks, all of the all of the all of the fellas and our wives, we were out on a limb, man. Big time. And God's presence was strong. We were the awareness of it. Yeah. And then the few times in life I've hit rock bottom and everything's disoriented and chaotic. God's presence
0: is strong. Hmm. You think it has to do with the, cause I keep thinking to like the common denominator, even though those are so different, it's being able to lay, not be prideful in the fact that like I, I can't do this on my own. Yeah. I'm out on a limb. I cannot do this on my own. I'm going to jump off and God, you better catch me yeah. or God. I cannot do this. I'm at the end of the rope. I cannot do this on my own. I, I resonate so, f- so much with you in the fact of like, out like at the at the end of your rope, like kind of like where you're like, I'm not an anti-prosperity, but like Jess and I have talked, I'm like, the times that I was unemployed and you and I were not like, we didn't have built like money to pay for food. Like I missed those moments with God. Like that was like, I'm never asking that on my family. I would never be like, God, please put us back in that. But looking back on it, like those were such sweet moments, like with God, like I missed those like, and like, so like then you find this tension of like, I don't want to pray back to trauma, trauma on my family. But at the same time, I'm like, I miss, like, I, I, there's, if for some reason as a human, we start to get to these, like, in these prosperity moments of, like, how naive are we to believe that we did it ourselves, but somehow in our humanity, we convince ourselves that we get, we, back there. We eventually, get, we, get eventually back. we get back to, like,
1: I did this. Yeah.
0: God, I, I don't need your full presence right now because I'm kind of, I'm running my business and I'm my family is great and my wife and I are amazing and my stocks are doing well and like, thanks God for getting me here. Now I'll just take the reins from you. And that then in itself kind of begins the path The unwind. If you can get to a point where you're like God, I'll take the reins, then you're gonna get to a point sooner, or sooner probably rather than later of like God saying, No, I'll take those back. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you just got to give them to me. Um, And that's a pride thing. I've I've hit that a few times, and I'm younger than you, so I I I can't say that I. I, I'm not trying to say that I'm just like I have this wisdom that, but like I resonate with you in the fact of like, man, in in my in my 26 years on earth. I've experienced that a couple of times of having to hand the reins back over um, and being out on a limb. Yeah. That's what you said is so good. It's so true. See,
1: that's the gift in desperation is desperation does not make God's presence stronger. It makes our awareness of how strong his presence has always been. Hmm. And and I I want us to take that into seasons of prosperity. Hmm. I, I think for... As hard as it is to steward seasons that you know in Christian world we call them deserts or we yeah. call them you know Christianese yeah yeah and and that's great because deserts are an integral part of the narrative in the scriptures that yeah. God it's one of the rhythms of God's grace yeah is the desert it's a setup to teach you how to handle prosperity right mm. like Israel goes straight from slavery which was a picture of salvation he parts the waters right a beautiful picture of salvation. And they go right into the desert, not right into Canaan, which they had mm. thought they were getting saved towards. Right. Mm. Jesus gets baptized, goes where? Right to a desert. Yeah. You know, and deserts are a gift and they feel like an indictment.
0: Mm.
1: And those deserts, like you talked about, where you're praying for, you got $100 in the bank and you're hoping you can feed your family. Yeah. I've been there m- more times than one. Yeah. Um, in many ways, not literally, but in many ways, that's been my season for the last three years. Hmm. I can't, t- one of the, w- one of the biggest phrases I've used in the last three years is the phrase manna from heaven. Hmm. I'm in one of those seasons. I don't have milk and honey. And I've been there. I, I spent a major portion of my time at Red Rocks was a land of milk and honey. you yeah. you're, you're a part of it. Like yeah. every now and then God just does something special somewhere and a lot of what you touch just keeps turning to gold for his glory. Hmm. And I got to be a part of that. And it's fifteen of the greatest years of my life. And I will not I love it. Yeah. And I'm forever grateful. But it's weird when you're when you're in a land of milk and honey and then you do a reverse Canaan and you go back into a desert. And I used to think it was it was this just this very clean, you get saved, you get taught in the desert, and then your reward is milk and honey and Canaan more and more of God's promises come to fruition, and then you die. And that's how the story (laughs) plays out. And I'm starting to realize that it is a constant triune relationship between Hmm. slavery, deserts, and the land of milk and honey. And all three are jockeying for your attentions and affections. Wow! And on this side of eternity... Those cycles never go away. Like, I, don't you wish we all got saved and we were enslaved to nothing ever again?
0: Yeah, but that would be, a, a that would be, a, that was God's picture, I feel. I believe that that was God's, I, I got his plan, but then with the fall, we introduced the other two. We, yeah. Like, as humans, we introduced absolutely um, the deserts, and because we we'd go there by choice, yeah. it's not like God is ever going to call us out of. He's never gonna be like, hey, you're spending time you're in the promised land right now. You're milking honey. Go to Canaan. Like I feel like we choose, we choose to walk there. Yeah. By our choices and by our um humanity, by our sin. Like we I and I think to like, man, um you you had said a second ago about like how we're just more aware of God's presence um, in these seasons. And I think that's because our eyes have nowhere to look, but at him like in those times when like I had, like I'm not kidding. Like I, we lived in an apartment we couldn't afford uh, with furniture that we got off Facebook market for free. I'm sitting on the floor I'm not proud to look around at this like ragtag apart like i there's not like this thing that like i'm I don't have a car to drive to go anywhere like I don't like I have nothing to look at but god like right. but in those times of prosperity, you start to look around at all the things that you have and um man i I was reading and I mean he talks about it all over the place, but um in Jeremiah where he talks about like you guys have continuously chosen. These different gods. And then when things go bad, you come running back to me right. every single time. And like when in prosperity, it's like I'm choosing money, I'm choosing influence, I'm choosing comfort. I think comfort can be a God. I think that it's a gift from God. But when you start to worship the comfort more than you comfort, the worship God, then it becomes a God. And God's like, yeah. And no, no, duh, that you're coming back to me because look at what you chose to put your eyes on instead of me. Yeah. And you man, I think
1: and I think, can I interject? On yeah, that? please, because please, please. This this is so fundamental to our identity in God and who God is. Going back to the prodigal son that is perhaps the greatest short story told in the history of the world mm-hmm. because it's so multi-dimensional, multi-layered. God's response to us coming back doing the proverbial walk of shame in the prodigal s- story mm-hmm. tells us who our God is at the height of us making that mistake you just talked about and that I, we've been talking about mm-hmm. where, you know, prosperity takes over and you get entitled and you start to, well, the prodigal son leaves the house, right? Cause he can do life better than his dad mm-hmm. taught him to do it. You know, young, you think you know everything. Yeah. So he give he give me my inheritance. God in his infinite wisdom, which makes no sense to me, it seems like a dumb thing to do as a dad, gives him his inheritance. He goes and squandered it on riotous living. Yeah. And then he's now living with the pigs. He's hit what I talked about earlier, rock bottom, Yeah. right? And so what's his response? I'm going to come home. And what just blows my mind and makes me want to love and serve and worship God the rest of my life is the father's response is not one of punishment Mm -hmm. and it's not one of instantaneous discipline. He knows what we forget is like your decisions have punished you enough. Yeah. Like I'm not, God's not there trying to cook up punishments Mm -mm. for all the, our human frailty and sin. He's like, Oh, you, a man, Paul said it best. A man reaps what he sows. If you sow to this nature, you'll reap that if you sow to this. But he's, you know, and it sounds like this hyper judgmental statement Paul's making. Paul's just saying, oh, no, 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 here's the deal. You're just going to reap what you sow. Like, God's yeah. not up there cooking up judgments. God's not up there like, oh, you know, uh, oh, they're having Mardi Gras every year. Send Katrina. Yeah. And like, no, that's not, that's yeah. not God. I heard that a bunch growing up. Like, well, yeah. that's God's judgment. I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. He would have, he said he, to Lot, he would have spared a whole city for one righteous man to yeah. live there right my point is this like when we when we are at rock bottom and we come home we are not punished we are welcomed hmm. and the first response is a celebration that you're back hmm. not going down the laundry list of yeah. why you shouldn't have left in the first place there is a there is a welcoming Uh, coming to God's throne of grace with kindness and welcoming in in the heart of God, because he knows our our choices have punished us enough. And he's not a punisher anymore, right? The punishment that brought us peace, Isaiah said, would be upon Jesus. God disciplines those he loves. Yeah. But he does not punish People. (laughs) Yeah. He does not punish people. He disciplines. And there's a vast difference. They sound like they're synonymous, those two words, with each other. There is a massive difference when you start thinking about the difference between the discipline of God and the punishment of God. Wow. And the punishment was upon. The Lamb of God, who's taken away the sin of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And God's not a punisher. And that, that, I'm, 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 I know I'm, we're taking a long way to get here, but I'm just speaking what's on my heart. Like the heart of God is when you are at rock bottom. Nobody is more tender towards Mm -hmm. the self inflicted trauma that you've created for yourself because of decisions and then all the trauma you bring that was created for you by other people's decisions. No one is more tender towards you coming home and coming back to your senses and coming back to him than our God is. Yeah, no one, no one is more at ease with the full story you bring to the table, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He is so aware of, unafraid of. He was aware of the rock bottom that Chad Brugman would have in his 40s. Millions and millions and millions of years before Chad would even go through that. God's heart rate sped up zero when mine was going through the roof full of anxiety because Mm. of the season I found myself in. Mm. He was prepared for that. That season was already paid for in full for me to have as much grace and mercy to tap into from the storehouses of heaven because of the blood of Jesus on the cross. This is who we are in Christ. And this is where wholeness starts to come. Mm. And it was that season of exhaustion, Mitch, that made me go, I want to be whole. That's prosperity to me, and I know I keep saying that, but you show me a man who is at peace with himself, and I will show you a man who knows how to father kids Hmm. and who knows how to tend to the amazing, beautiful needs of his wife or future wife. You show me a man who is wholeheartedly committed to being as whole as we possibly can on this side of eternity, and I will show you a man that's a healer everywhere he goes. And it's not put on, it's not an act, it's not a job. It's this effortless walking in the spirit Mm -hmm. because healers heal, right? And that's what wholeness is. It's You have been on the receiving end of endless healing that only God can give. And um, Jesus says, if you make that your passion, everything else that you freak out about, and lose sleep over as a man will be added unto you. Hmm. And I think I really feel this. So I'm just going to be bold and say, there's, there's at least someone right now I know that's listening to this and that's the word for them. But it could be a bunch of people because yeah. we're talking big kingdom stuff here, yeah. but there's someone specifically listening right now. And that even that verse has been ruminating and keeps coming back. It's yeah. Matthew 633, right? Um, Seek me first in my kingdom, and everything else will be added unto you. Wow. And you have been fighting that, and you have been exhausting yourself trying to build this life in a way that we've been taught as men to build it, which is the ultimate man cave, full of all the treasures of your conquering (laughs) achievements. And you're exhausted, and it's bringing you no joy. (laughs) Someone's out there right now, and God's just saying, all I want you to be is whole. And it's, and, and, and I need you exhausted and desperate to mm. come to those senses. And I'm going to do some of my finest, most profound, beautiful work on your heart as a man when you feel most like a failure. Mm. You are on the brink of eternal, godly, divine success, usually on the very back end of your biggest failure. Mm. God's doing some of his sweetest work and he's unafraid of it. And there's no shame with God. There'll be shame with people. There'll be judgment with people. There'll be shame you're going to have to deal with internally. But there is zero shame on the back end of your ugliest parts of your story with God. Because he's fully aware of it for billions and trillions of years now in his omniscience. Mm -hmm. And he fully paid for it 2,000 years ago. Wow. In his son.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's my tirade. That's my tangent. No, but I I love it so much uh, because somewhere along the line, someone said to me in one of my English classes, like, in order for a point to be made, you need to repeat it three times. So like when you when you see repetition in writing, a lot of times it's in threes. Absolutely, um, and whole. Like if you hear anything from this, like whole over and over again, the word whole. Um, with a W. Um, and I I love that. I think it's so good that, man, you're preaching to me. Um, and I, I mean, I think it's just one of those things that you'd kind of set aside. Again, like you're saying, like, seek first the kingdom of God. And like, I love that you said, um, how did you say it? I'm going to try cause you guys can rewind it and see how far off I am. So I'm not going to give you a It that would pleasure. be kind of fun for me to watch you try though. Yeah. Um, but you basically like the person, like, like what is your perception of prosperity? What is your perception of like, I think becoming whole is realizing and like you've talked about it throughout this, the last one hour and 13 seconds is that you, um, also, when you get this, it will be not be one hour and thirteen seconds. Don't fact <laughs> check everyone. Um, shuts it off. Yeah. Well, no, because yeah. Um, yeah, if you shut it, if that, if that's, <laughs> but there will be an intro at the beginning of this, which will make your podcast probably like one hour and two minutes and thirteen seconds. But I, but anyways, um, you you talked about how you had to sacrifice a lot and lay down a lot and go through a lot to get to wholeness, and how um man you you were living a lot of people would say a life that was successful prospect like you was prosperous yeah, you had I think so yeah you had the the four kids and the let's we'll, we'll start first with the most important you had a beautiful wife and not beautiful <sighs> Beautiful does not matter. She is a beautiful woman, but you had happy.
1: You said that she's absolutely.
0: <laughs> but the fact that she's no beautiful does not define you as what I guess is what I say. Yeah, like I you me. had a wife and who gave you four kids, who you guys were had a job that paid for the house that you, you had it. Yeah. But what is that when it comes to pro, Like when like how do I define success? Like is that is that success for or or is that Reaching and achieving. Um, and like, what am I measuring? Who, what is the standard that I'm measuring? Like, success, so, wow, success. Success is, um, I think, very, uh, it's a spectrum. I think it's, 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 what are you measuring off of? It's how far off of what is unsuccessful then? Like, where is the, where is the middle that you all of a sudden, where's the threshold from successful to unsuccessful? And I think when you flip that on its head and your measurements and the metrics that you use change to wholeness, money no longer matters. Uh, Comfort no longer matters uh, because I'm, I am at, I am whole. I like, if you hear that today, like wholeness, I, I mean, I would, I think, I think one, like if, if we, if Jess and I, Jess and I, we are able to live in Denver because we both have jobs. Like it's not cheap to live in Denver, but if Jess needed to, cause she gave me this truly when I was unemployed, she needed me to, to seek wholeness. She gave me the, the, the gift of combating the shame of being unemployed by saying, I want you to stay home. I want you to read and to rest and to pray and to, um, but if she, if she would have come to me and say, babe, I am, I'm empty right now and I need to quit my job. We need to move across the country. I think I would literally, I would because of the, my realization through my own season of seeking wholeness, it wouldn't even be a hard. It would be, it would not be a hard decision. It would be like, here we go.
1: Yeah.
0: And like you, and as I'm even saying that, I'm like that's literally what like you did—you moved across the country to seek wholeness. And I completely, actually, I don't completely get it because I haven't done it. But I could, I would, I would, I think because my, I value, I'm, I value wholeness. Um, and so, like again, I, I love the the. We believe. I believe that this podcast generally is for one person, um, at least. I mean, if it would have been heard by one person, I believe that that one person needed to hear what was said. And, like, I think if there is something that you are holding on to in a worldly sense that is holding you from, uh, from internal wholeness, um, forget it. <laughs> Let, throw it, throw it as far away from you as you can and go after that wholeness because um, it is supremely important. And I think that that's kind of the, that's what I'm getting from you is like and I and it's so obvious to me how passionate you are about it because you're able to like I see it in your eyes. Y'all can't see it, but like this is something that like he has um, bled, sweat, cried um, over um, this this uh, achievement of wholeness. And I think or this attainment or this.
1: Yeah, let's let me let me. Let me. I didn't. I need to say this. Yeah. I still feel Mitch like a freshman hmm. in the University of Wholeness. Um, so much more. I mean, it, to me, the the coolest thing I've realized about it though is this is my journey for a lifetime. Yeah. Because wholeness is like positionally we're whole at rebirth, right? Yeah. Through Christ, yeah. There's an instantaneous wholeness positionally, but then practically, our wholeness has to catch up to our position in Christ, right? And that's the word, you know, sanctified is the ancient word for that. And and so sanctify, sanctification to me is just a process of wholeness. And yeah. that is what I want people to understand, lest they think I went through something for three years, conquered it, and now I am the poster boy for wholeness. What I'm saying is let's start a movement. Yeah. And I'll be a freshman with you. And let's learn from each other and let's egg each other on as men and... The cool thing is, is wholeness does not dampen those exterior things God designed us. We were designed to conquer. We were designed to steward. We were designed to to cultivate and create as men. That is not something that wholeness is going to. That was one of my biggest mind games, that wholeness is going to take away from that, that manly stuff that yeah. we, that we are deeply. It what it does is now it it leads us to do that in a way that doesn't destroy us on the back end.
0: Hmm. So
1: imagine if wholeness is the top priority in your soul and spirit and body, then achieving, knowing that achievement is going to come, but it wasn't the main point. Yeah. The main point was I accomplished something while being whole. Yeah. Versus I accomplished something to compensate for not being whole. Hmm. That's what the fall did. I'm going to, through blood, sweat, tears, and thorns and thistles on the ground, keep doing what I know I'm divinely designed to do, and it's going to not give me in the end what what an indictment on who we're supposed to be is when you are doing exactly what you were divinely designed to do, and it gives you nothing at the end. Hmm. That's a sign you're not whole. Hmm. I was doing that in life in the last five years, incredibly blessed to be doing amazing things in our little vein of life, which is the church world, right? For you and me and Jess and, you know, and some people listening, getting to be a part of things some pastors would dream to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And and getting to the end of those different things that we would quote, achieve and conquer and succeed at and cultivate and steward, and seeing the joy of it waning when and it made me feel awful because I'm like, how dare you get to see God do such cool stuff and feel nothing at the end of it. Mm. And what I realized was it had nothing to do with the beautiful things God was doing at Red Rocks. It had to do with how broken and unwhole I was. Wow. and that's a big reason why I said as dumb as this is on paper and as foolish as this will seem to so many people and as stifling as it will be to even my family and friends at times, I've got to get yeah, I've got to get whole. And I don't know that I have the wherewithal to do it in real time here. Yeah. And so here we come, desert. Um, I'm scared to death Yeah. because I've been in deserts before, but I think it's time to take a journey hmm. and go off into the land of um, anonymity. And I, everybody doesn't need that. No, I don't want to make it sound like go 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 <laughs> self-impose a desert on you. So because Chad says it's you need to be whole. Yeah. So go quit your job. Like I tell people all the time because they're like, oh, that was such a brave thing to do, and I'm like, I hope I did it so a bunch of people don't have to do it. Yeah. If I would have had more tools towards wholeness prior to that, I would have had to go through this difficult journey. Well, keeping something so beautiful is my Red Rocks experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when people are like, you're so brave for doing that, I'm like, no, 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 no. Maybe I did that so you don't have to.
0: Hmm. Testimony.
1: Maybe, yeah, maybe you can you can achieve wholeness without blowing everything up. Some people hmm. do that. And my my hope is to redeem that season where I blew a lot of stuff up is to say, let me help you not have to do that. Wow. There's a pathway to wholeness in real time without the chaos of Going deep into the
0: desert of anonymity and losing so much. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I can't get off this picture that you said freshman. I'm a freshman and, a and
1: freshman.
0: you're a freshman. And, uh, man, when you sign up for university or for college, I've been watching too many British shows calling it university. Uh, when you sign up for university, uh, A, that's a choice that you have to make. Mm-hmm. When you choose to go to school, you are ch- – it, it, no one – at college, no one's making you go – Um, you're sacrificing something by doing that. You're leaving the comfort of home to go to school. You're leaving comfort and you're also paying for it. So like, (laughs) like we are like the, like the go across is are like, this is a sermon, sermon image, like a, uh, but like you literally like when we sign up for wholeness, we are signing up for things that we're not super comfortable in. And, but we do get to learn. Like that's the, 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 the investment that you're giving is then that the dividends are, you were being taught. Um, and I think even to take it one step deeper into that is like, I'm like, you pay the school, you leave the comfort to go to school. You like, what was the other one that I said? Um, the time even like to go to school. And if I replace school with God, like, I'm giving my comfort over to God. I'm giving my time over to God. I'm giving my finances over to God. In turn, he will then teach me. And I think that's really cool. I think I love that you said I'm inviting people into going to school with me. Um,
1: which, Imagine being a freshman alone,
0: right? Yeah.
1: That's why I'm like – I. I, I Let's go, freshmen.
0: Let's go, freshmen. Let's go do a
1: really hard thing together.
0: Well, and why? And when you go to school, they have freshmen only. Freshmen start school before about everyone else. Like freshmen, they have freshmen gatherings. They all the freshmen live together on the dorms. But like right now, as men, we are trying to do freshmen living off campus yeah, and not being ar- yeah. and not being around each other. Yeah. And that's so, good. That's like, good analogy. if we if we could then say, okay, well, let's link arms, camaraderie. Um, like, let's do this together and let's be, man, I think a lot of times I've sat in freshman classes and I felt like the idiot. I felt really dumb. Um, and I think no one likes to feel dumb. No one likes to feel unprepared. Um, and this is a a foreign con, like I'm sitting in Spanish and the teacher is speaking in Spanish and I'm sitting here going, Okay. Que paso? What? Like, what are you saying? Um, I know cerveza, mas cerveza, <laughs> please. Like, um, <laughs> like, that's my Spanish. Um, and so we're sitting in that, like, I think that the idea of being humble enough to say, I'm going to sit in this class of wholeness, and be completely ignorant to what I'm going to be taught. But eventually, I mean, I can speak decent Spanish now, um, but not until the end of that first class, the prerequisite class of Spanish one o one or whatever yeah. um and man, that's scary, but again, you you inviting people like if you're listening to this, like don't keep it here. I'm not saying share this podcast i could- I could give a rats about the metrics of how many people listen to it. You take this like God math is this, God math is. Man, if if let's say ten people listen to this podcast, God math is the ten of you taking this and telling ten people. Now a hundred people have benefited from from this one vocal Like me talking into a mic, Chad talking into a mic. Then if those ten people then tell ten people, now we're at a thousand people. So like with this, I don't want you to go share this podcast. Yeah, that's cool, Um, because then that makes it so that eleven people can now tell one person, then tell ten. Like it is compounding, and God will work in whatever way. But like I would just challenge you to share it, um, to talk to each other about wholeness. Like, what if you just started a conversation with somebody across the dinner table with your dad or your brother and like, hey, what is your approach on wholeness? Oh, you don't know what wholeness is? Well, let me explain it to you. And now you're having a conversation over dinner that isn't fantasy football. It's funny. Chad came in to my house and I knew that we were going to be having this conversation. But the first thing I said to him was talk about fantasy football. He I'm in a league with And with, I wasn't mad about it. No, and he wasn't mad about it. And he received it yeah. and and we very could I we very easily could have stuck at and we could have talked for an hour about and Easy. isn't this funny that like what, what interrupted us was my wife interjecting. And like women are good at going deeper than surface level. Men are comfortable. Like I could have stayed at the fact that I am four and zero. Well, we play in this league that um, you, every week you get a win for against you're playing, and then if you finish in the top half, you get another win. So there's a potential for two wins. I'm gonna self plug. I'm four and zero. Four and zero. I knew that 4-0. was coming. Four zero. Yeah, I I'm had three and one. Chad is three and one. I'm gonna. He's got a good team. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to trade with him later. Um, but. But what all that to say, um, we came in and, like, you can sit and talk with your dad. I talk with my – Jess gets annoyed because my dad and I, he's one of my best friends. Um, but we sit and talk football, fantasy football. It could, it could monopolize my dad and I's relationship. And it does a lot of times. But, like, what would it look like if you sat at the dinner table and you're like, hey, dad, how is your life in, like, a holistic aspect right now? Yeah. That's even me asking you to say that is like kind of humorous because I'm like, that's never going to happen right? that, <laughs> because that's the world we live in where it's like, cause I could go, I could go from, Hey Chad, let's talk about fantasy football to dude. I was at the gym yesterday to you going hunting. Like that was something that you was like, I'm going hunting next week. And, um, man, I like, if you're not married, you could be, like, I went on this date with this hot girl. Um, that was fun. And now we're two hours into talking. It's okay. Well, that's about the time that I have talked to you later. And there was nothing accomplished in that conversation. What is that? Um, So I would just challenge you to maybe use this podcast as a, a catalyst for conversation within your own life. I don't know. Um, Chad, we're at, what? Love it. We're at an hour and 15. Um, I I know that you are in town um and I don't want to take up your whole time here in Denver. Um so do you have any other I mean wholeness? Do you have any other pressing thoughts that you are like I I want to I f- I feel like I should say this. And if not it's okay. I just don't want to cut this off um with you having something to say.
1: Man, I think I always have something to say, <laughs> and so I, I think that's a dangerous, unnecessary question. Because well, we, we can, we can keep going. I, we're I, both I, talkers, yeah, and verbal processors, so we yeah. can keep going forever. But I, didn't, you know, I was taught from an early uh, age as a training pastor that the mind can only endure what the butt can, and so I want to be kind to everyone listening and not overdo it. <laughs> uh, I think, I think we what this accomplished hopefully was a challenge. More than we we didn't lay out a whole lot of well okay here's what wholeness looks like so so what do I do next um maybe that could be a part two down the road yeah um because because I I hate leaving people with okay I, I buy it I believe it I want more wholeness in my life I'm with you Chad I'll yeah. I'll join the freshman class with you but then how do I you know give me give me give me something to do um and, and that's the piece I think we're we're leaving off I, I think I would finish um. By just challenging one one baby step to hmm. do, um, is take some time to be brutally honest with yourself. Please be unafraid of the honesty because you're a child of God, not because of anything you've done or not done, you're a child of God because of everything Jesus has done, and it was his, his joy hmm. to go to the for the joy set before him, he endured that cross, yeah, and so. With that said, I would before this podcast that you happen to listen to um, goes out of your mind and out of your thoughts, and you're on to the next podcast. If you if you're listening to this, I would say commit sometime this week to sit down and really think about some. Some people are writers, some people are verbal processors. Um, journal, whatever you do, make charts, graphs, whatever whatever your mind does best. But why don't you start to put on paper or or here, come out of your mouth. What is whole in my life right now? What just seems right? What seems healthy? What What is bringing me life without problems on the back end? That's a sign of wholeness. Mm. Um, what's energizing my spirit and not destroying it in the on the back end? And then, secondly, man, what part of my life's unwhole? Like like Ryan, you said talked about last week, some relationships that desperately needed forgiveness. Yeah. Um, that's on un, unforgiveness is on wholeness. Hmm. And we all wrestle with it. Come on, we all wrestle with it. Yeah. That, that, when Jesus is giving these, it seems like such harsh, intense statements about forgiveness. It seems like he doesn't care about how hard it is for us humans to forgive. What he's saying with such seriousness is wholeness is on the other end of forgiveness. Hmm. Right. And I'm just using that because that was last week's talk. Yeah. And so it's still fresh. But Jesus is wanting wholeness for you. Hmm. He's not trying to be martyristic and masochistic about our faith and being like, I don't care how bad they hurt you, forgive them. Yeah, But that's what it always sounds like on the front, because we're still so hurt by those people, right? But Jesus yeah. going no, 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 you can't be whole, truly prosperous as a human until that forgiveness takes place. And mm. I'm going to walk with you through that the whole time. And mm. I'm going to be there with you through it with a bunch of grace the whole time. And I'm going to show you the freedom in that forgiveness. thing. And so that's one example, but, but start to specifically write some areas where you go, I'm just broken. I'm just a broken dude right now Well, wow. in this area and give it to God.
0: Hmm.
1: And here's my rock bottom, God. Yeah. This is rock bottom. And God's like, oh, this is where I do my best work. Okay. Let's go, son. Let's go. Pulls daughter. his
0: sleeves up and says, here you yeah. go. Oh, y- y- yeah. you
1: had me at rock bottom. Yeah. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Let's go. I love that. I I love that. Uh, you're calling for introspection Um, and introspection is curiosity because you, you're like, Hey, what, what in this is me? Like, what is, what, like, what am I truly right now? Um, Curiosity is um, God, where do I need work? You're asking questions. I think we get comfortable with where we are and we forget to ask questions and questions spur growth. And so for us as men, we also like the idea Of give me like, man, there's nothing more. I love Legos because Legos, Legos give me, okay, step one, put this brick on this brick, step two. And then at the end of it, I'm going to have this cool ship that I can pull on the tail and it rotates things. And like, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, um, there's nothing more satisfying to me than Ikea furniture that is put together step by step in order. Order. Like (laughs) that's not what this is that's not how God works. He doesn't work. Um, he doesn't work in ABCD. Um, but I think that with this, you, in order to follow your instructions, Chad's instructions for how to live his life are different than my instructions on how to live my life. And when you open up the instruction manual to what is your life, like you're being curious, how do I put this together? Like, there isn't, and every step is going to be different. Like I have to keep saying that, like, but the beginning step is being curious and God, like literally I, I, today I love I, this caffeine is great. It's giving me so many analogies, but like each piece of furniture that you're putting together is going to have different parts and you have to identify the parts. And like, that's what Chad's asking you to do is to identify the parts that need attention um, and identify the parts that don't like, um, I hate the little screws that get lost everywhere. I have to pay supreme attention to where they yeah. are. And otherwise, things are going to fall apart. And um, so
1: celebrate. I. Celebrate. Sorry, I'm jumping. No. In. The parts that don't need attention, celebrate them. Celebrate them.
0: Praise God if that it's gonna, just a big piece of If you're of- <laughs> going
1: to get vulnerable and put your attention on stuff that's really broken in your life right now, yeah, don't you dare make the mistake of not taking the time as well. To celebrate what's whole, because huh. you're not—that's a lie from the pit of hell. If you think you're 100 broken hmm. and no part, that's a disservice to the work of Jesus in your life. Yeah. Come on, you're—you like don't don't fall. That's a that's a that's a lie from the pit of hell from the accuser of us, hmm. which is the devil. Jesus said, yeah. "He's the accuser of the brethren." Don't don't do that. You you deserve to celebrate your wholeness right now, wherever that is, as much as you deserve to be honest and open to your brokenness. And the fuel that comes from celebrating your wholeness will play in and speak into the courage you have Amen. to stare your brokenness in the face and say, God, let's go. It's yeah. not one or the other.
0: It's both hand. Sorry, I interjected, no. but struck a chord in me. Then. Well, I, No, celebrate the brokenness. Like, my thought is is if you drop something that's glass, everything is shattered, but there is one piece of glass that is bigger than the rest of the little pieces of glass, and that's where you start building on. Yep. That's where you start taking the broken pieces and building on that big piece. So, like, if you're listening to this, like, you have a big piece. And, like, this is all just to call you to look, to, to challenge you to look at your life and see where you start gluing together the little pieces. Um, and where to become whole again, where do you need to start putting your attention? Um, man, Chad, thank you for man, you, it, man. It was good for me. Um, it was good. I am so selfish when it comes to this because honestly, I I'm I could not put any any of these out and be like, this is for me. I, every conversation that I've had, I've gotten something from, and that's where yeah. I want to just like put it out and. Um, so because I'm not I'm gonna say I, I'm not gonna say I am selfish. I could be so selfish and just keep them for myself. Uh but Todd, thank you for taking the time to come and to impart wisdom, to share. Thank you for being vulnerable and for using your testimony um, for what it was purposed to be. Uh, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the lamb is Jesus. We have nothing to do with that. The word of our testimony is our weapon, how we choose to wield it. It's up to us. And so I would just, I would ask you, um, if you're listening to this, wield your weapon today. I don't know how that looks. Be curious about it. Ask God. Um, too often, if we don't have an answer, we just, Throw it to the side, and I would just challenge you to, instead of doing that, bring it to God and see if he'll answer it. So maybe he won't right away, um, but I would bet in time he, all of his all of His answers are yes and amen. It's just maybe yes and amen down the road. Um, so, Chad, thank you. Um, I appreciate thank you. you a ton. Had a blast. Yeah. Love you, man. I love you, too. All right. Until next time, peace. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Over a Drink Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Over a Drink Podcast and on Twitter at Over underscore A underscore Drink. Reach out and send me a message. I'd also like to encourage you to visit our website at TheOver dot DrinkPodcast.com and sign up for our email newsletter. We're working on weaponizing testimonies here on this podcast, and that isn't exclusive to those who are on the podcast. I'd love for you to send me an email at over a podcast at gmail.com with a written version of your testimony. I'll put it together in a blog format and then we send it out to everybody on that email list and in an instant your testimony will become a weapon. You never know what God is teaching you in your story that may affect somebody else's story. Finally, I want to invite you to join me in supporting this project. There will be a link in the episode notes to a platform called Buy Me a Coffee that will allow you to partner financially with the Over a Drink podcast on a monthly or one-time basis to help move the mission forward of reconfiguring societal norms of what a man should be. Keep an eye out for our next episode. Peace.